Hello, welcome back. I'm Cece Provo, and you're listening to the WealthCap Speaks podcast. In today's episode, I'll be speaking with Craig Welch, and we're going to be talking about life insurance. More broadly, why you should be skeptical of life insurance and when you should consider it. Craig's the president and CEO of Long Road Risk Management, where he's responsible for educating advisors and clients on the life insurance process. He's also a guest writer for Succession Advisors, and you can find some of his articles on the WealthCap Hub. Welcome, Craig. Thanks for doing our podcast. Thanks, Cece. It's great to be here. So let's start with skepticism. Why should you be skeptical when buying life insurance? People will complain that policies don't work as illustrated. There's concern about agents only selling policies for the large upfront commissions. People think about life insurance as a really complex product. They also complain about the time it takes to implement uh, when they're purchasing a new policy. Let's take your first point. Why is it that policies never work as illustrated? Can you explain more? It's a little bit complex, but the most important thing that people need to understand about life insurance is they're actually buying a contract from the insurance company. And the illustration is simply a projection of what could happen with the policy over time. Something that's important to know is pretty much within the first 12 months after an illustration is produced or a policy is purchased, those illustrations are going to be off. They're going to be wrong almost 100% of the time moving forward. And it could be off because the policy has performed better than the original illustration. But in most scenarios, in most cases, the original illustration overpromises how the policy will do over time. And the performance of policies, and, and we could say on, on one hand, that's because agents selling these policies are overpromising and trying to sell a product. The reality, though, is the policies are driven by underlying investments of the insurance company. So there are a couple of types of policies that are out there that are permanent. So if we take term insurance off the table and we're looking at permanent coverage, there are two types of products. There are general account products. Products, which are based on the insurance company's underlying portfolio, typically between 70 and 90% corporate grade bonds. So it's a very conservative portfolio to be able to pay out claims. And these product types typically entail whole life, current assumption universal life, guaranteed universal life, and index universal life. And so the performance of all product types in that scenario is based on the bond portfolio. So if I go back 30 years to 1990, and I was was purchasing a whole life policy. My illustration at the time was based on what corporate grade bonds were doing, which was somewhere between eight and 10%. So an illustration on a bond portfolio might've projected a dividend of eight to 10% indefinitely. And so here's the first gotcha with illustrations. They are static. They project the same performance returns, whether that's in the form of a dividend, whether it's a credited interest rate on a universal life policy, or if it's a variable policy, they also project that the equity returns of that product will perform at the same level at the same rate for 20, 30, or more years within the policy. 
And so those static assumptions of rates of return, consistent policy charges, consistent costs of insurance, none of those vary over time. These are not Monte Carlo analysis. And so while a client looks at an illustration on day one and thinks, okay, this makes sense for my financial future and securing my financial future, it's not always well communicated to them that these policies need to be reviewed and managed over time because things will change. And I think the easiest way to picture this, investment advisors are not focused on showing a 30-year return scenario to clients. If they are showing returns and performance over time, they're showing it in a Monte Carlo analysis. The insurance industry hasn't caught up with the Monte Carlo analysis topic. And so what has happened is we use that static rate and clients see that their policy is underperforming and they feel like they've been duped. And one of the ways you can help make sure this asset is performing over time is simply by taking a look at it every single year. And so that's an area that you can help course correct a policy if it starts to underperform some of the original expectations. So what about separate account products? Does that apply? It does apply and and it applies in the same way. So separate account products are essentially their universal life policies, but instead of using the general account of the insurance company, which again is based on corporate grade bonds, you're actually purchasing separate accounts, which function or feel a lot like mutual funds. So the client actually has the opportunity to choose from a number of different funds, sometimes between 50 and 80 different funds that they can choose from, they have the ability to select their underlying investments inside of the policy itself. What's interesting about a variable universal life policy is that we still have the same issue. We still pick a static level interest rate that policy is going to earn for 20 or 30 or 40 years. And so we all know that the equity markets are going to fluctuate. And some years, if we assumed a 6% percent gross rate of return. Some years we're going to do 2%. Some years we're going to do 25%. And some years we're going to lose money. And so all of the timing of those returns and the sequence of returns, all of those things factor into the performance. And I can assure you with a variable policy that those illustrations aren't going to take a year to be different than the original. It's probably going to be different within a period of a few days. As you mentioned previously, one way to mitigate this illustration issue is to monitor the policies, whether it's a general account or separate account. How else can you navigate this? Most agents sell policies based on the illustrations. And that's very different than how investment managers build investment portfolios for clients. They build portfolios on the basis of a process. So our view is that insurance should be implemented in much of the same way. We need to understand the goals and risk tolerances of our clients. We need to understand and evaluate the carriers, their financial strength, the policies that they are willing to underwrite, and make sure that those fit in into an insurance policy statement that we craft for the client. So we have a plan that once the policy is underwritten and implemented, we can go back to and review annually against that initial design. Let's talk about commissions and how an agent gets paid because I've seen this many times in my professional experience and it certainly causes clients to question an agent's intent. Tell me more about this. 
The commission topic is a really interesting one. And the life insurance industry has struggled with this for a while. The way that an insurance policy is paid out today is a commission. So it is a payment from the insurance company to the agent that sold the policy. Depending on the relationship an agent has with the company, they're likely to receive somewhere between 90 and 95% of all of the revenue for selling a policy in the first year with very little ongoing payment from the insurance company to the agent in future years. So this really creates a problem in the marketplace. The agent themselves are really compensated to sell a policy and move on. So ongoing service, maintenance, annual reviews have historically been non-existent because the agents weren't compensated to continue to watch or monitor those policies moving forward. Second, most other financial services professionals are paid over time and they're typically today paid via fees versus commissions. So the clients themselves are actually writing a check to most financial professionals today for the advice they provide, which is different than a company paying them a commission instead. So if you think of CPAs or attorneys, wealth managers, financial planners, this is a very big difference in, in how advisors in the financial services industry are being compensated. And that the fact that insurance is still a commission creates some initial skepticism. Then you add in the fact that the commission is all up front and there's no ongoing requirement to serve or maintain or report on those policies, it creates a wider gap between industry professionals. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. The commissions aren't a bad thing. We just have to understand what they are. We need to recognize the situation and understand the value being delivered from an insurance specialist that you choose to work with. I think the easiest way to think about this, if you engage an insurance professional and they have an, a commitment to ongoing policy management, much in the way that we do. So we provide reports, policy management reports every single year for the clients that we work with. And we have a commitment to do that. If you think about an insurance policy, the majority of those policies are held for 15, 20, 30 years or more. And so when you spread out, if we just look at a 20-year time frame, if you spread out that commission that was paid to us up front and you spread it out over 20 years, the fees on that, and I'm calling them fees, but it's really a commission. If you spread that out over 20 years, those tend to be a lot lower than a lot of other financial professionals. The difference is in how it's viewed. So an advisor that's not receiving commissions, that's not receiving them up front, sees the large payout up front and says, well, that's not a good deal for the client. When in reality, insurance professionals really can't change the way the insurance companies are paying today. And so what we have though, is we have to have an ongoing commitment to serve those contracts for our clients for the foreseeable future. And oftentimes that's 20 or more years. And so when we think that we're getting that that upfront payment spread out over 20 or more years, it ends up being a much more economical payment for the advice and the ongoing service that we're providing to clients. Craig, that's really a great insight. I'm starting to see a trend or a theme here just from the two points we've discussed already, which is illustration of policy and now commissions for how agents get paid. And it sounds to me that ongoing policy management and monitoring seems to be the underlying recommendation here. Is that accurate? 
Yes. The best way to ensure the policies you or your clients have are working the way that you expected them to work or continue to work with your changing financial situation, the best way to make sure those things are on track is to look at them on a regular basis. And regular basis with life insurance is is probably once a year, just to make sure it still fits in with the plan, their lifestyle hasn't changed, taxes or legislation haven't impacted what they're doing. You know, one time a year, looking at the policy from a number of different angles, whether that's the carrier strength, whether that's the performance of the policy and how it's funded, or whether it's based on their overall wealth plan is a really good idea. You know, life insurance is complicated. I don't think anyone who doesn't work in the industry fully understands the various types of products, the differences in carriers, and the entire process in general. Can you give us some insights into this and what do you recommend for consumers? Sometimes it's overly complicated. It's definitely complex. It's hard for clients to really compare products. It's hard for them to compare the insurance companies themselves. It's even hard for them to compare which agent they should work with. The same thing holds true for financial advisors. A lot of financial advisors don't understand the products or the strategies that go along with them and and how they work together. Even policy should be implemented through an underwriting process. It's a complex topic. It carries with it some baggage in terms of some of the things we've already talked about. And then you add in the fact that it's complex and it takes time to learn and truly understand the workings of the industry. It could be years to grasp all of the various components of life insurance and the strategies. And when you think of and boil it down to an individual client, they may purchase a life insurance policy a couple of times during their lifetime. So with all of this complexity, all of these unknowns, it becomes really hard to understand who's working in their best interest and who's out to essentially sell a policy and move on. Now, here's the good news. Life insurance is probably one of the most flexible financial tools in the industry. That does help make it more complex, but you can use it to help protect individual families, business owners, key employees. It can be used for death benefit protection, but also as a tax deferred savings vehicle. You can use it to protect against other risks like long-term care. And there's some very strong tax benefits that are available when using and planning, whether you're thinking of that from a death benefit perspective or from a savings perspective. The most important thing though, clients don't have to do this alone. There are many highly qualified insurance specialists across the country who can help. It's important that you have a process for vetting the insurance professionals you work with. Your team of advisors can help, and whether those are your financial advisors, your attorney or CPA, they can help you think through a list of questions and topics to make sure the insurance professional has your best interest at mind. It's important to understand what the insurance professional's processes are. And really, what is their long-term commitment to managing your policy once it goes in place? Understanding or seeing what an annual report looks like can really help you feel confident that the insurance professional is going to be with you into the future. I want to shift the conversation a little bit, and let's talk about process. What can you tell us about why it's such a challenge to go through the process? 
Well, the insurance company is taking on some risk. They're making a bet that the policy they put in place to protect your family or your business is going to be in place for a while. It's not like some of the other investment products in the industry. Clients and advisors hate the process and the time lag. It's complicated. We have to have clients often do medical exams, blood draws, go out and collect records from doctor's offices. And some clients may have multiple doctor's offices where we're getting hundreds, if not thousands of pages of medical records from those facilities. So while it's exhausting for clients and sometimes painful and takes a long time, it's also a somewhat painful process for insurance professionals. The industry is getting better but when we're working with complex situations where clients have large insurance needs and estate planning needs where they're looking at 10, 20, or more million dollars, we still need to go through a conventional underwriting process. It's really important for those clients that are engaging in that to understand the process their insurance professionals will take them through. So we know that when we're working in this space, the most important thing is protecting the underwriting of our clients. We have to keep things confidential. So we spend a lot of time gathering the medical records ourselves, gathering the prescription database histories, the motor vehicle reports, even the insurance exam and, and collecting those on our systems as opposed to going direct to a specific insurance company. And by packaging all of that together and having our underwriting team review that information on a preliminary basis, we can confidentially package that information and work with specific insurance companies to have them review it. The most important thing there is if one of the companies doesn't like or doesn't want to provide coverage for a client or they want to rate them at a worse class than we would expect, then we don't have to go to that company and we haven't risked or hurt their ability to get insurance elsewhere. And so this process takes time, especially if you're going to do it right for clients, but it's the last piece of the insurance process that we can still add value or save money for clients by negotiating properly with the insurance companies on our clients' behalf. And so it will take time. It does get frustrating for advisors that expect it to be done sooner. But when we do this right and we protect our clients and we negotiate with multiple companies, the outcomes far outweigh the time lag to get these policies implemented. What you've described sounds very involved in the underwriting process. Are you saying that there are many insurance agents who are selling these products are not as involved in that underwriting process as you have described? It depends. There are a lot of good advisors in the country that will use a process like this, but not everybody does. A lot of advisors will go direct to one specific company and take the offer that's been given. And that could be a great offer, but if you have nothing to compare that to, you're not sure that you've done what's in the best interest of the client in terms of finding them a policy that fits well within their financial plan. The other thing that you run the risk of is if you take an offer that's substandard, so a client has some health challenges or they're risky, you know, I have some very healthy clients that race cars or jump out of planes, heli ski, whatever interest they have that's risky 
million could shorten their life expectancy. If you take an offer that is substandard, that offer goes out to what's called the Medical Information Bureau. And the best way to describe the Medical Information Bureau is it's a lot like the credit bureau. If I go out and borrow some money and then decide not to pay it back or I consistently make late payments, that's going to hit my credit bureau and I'm going to get a ding against my credit score. So that the next time I go out to borrow money, they're going to either charge me a higher rate or they might not lend me money at all. The same thing happens with life insurance and the Medical Information Bureau. If I get a a bad offer because I took a formal application with a company, I could get a ding against my future purchase of insurance. And that's why it's so important for us to protect the confidentiality and do the underwriting process ourselves internally before we're sharing any of that information with the client. So we know if there are any potential underwriting hurdles that we're going to be up against. Why and when should life insurance be considered as part of your wealth plan? So there are, there are a number of reasons why. And, and as I mentioned earlier, life insurance is a very flexible tool. And, and when used in proper ways with proper expectations as part of a planning process, it can be a phenomenal tool and it can help accomplish things that other financial instruments just won't be able to do. So there are a few areas that we consistently see life insurance be implemented in. The first, liquidity. Liquidity for estate planning or or business succession planning. If you think you have clients with illiquid portfolios, businesses, real estate portfolios, often life insurance can provide some of that liquidity should something happen to the owner or the surviving spouse. In the most basic way, it can help protect the family right? Protecting families is probably our most consistent conversation. And that's as basic as protecting the income of those that are earning money for the family. If something were to happen to one of the spouses or to an individual, it can certainly derail a financial plan and life insurance can help protect the families and ensure that the financial plan continues on for those surviving family members. It really makes sense when implemented as part of a wealth plan process. Often, you know, the skepticism comes in when insurance is pitched as a standalone decision. Hey, you need this policy because of X, Y, or Z. We think life insurance fits in as a part of the wealth planning process when viewed in the broader sense for what clients are trying to accomplish. It's really just implemented to complement planning you've already done with your advisors and implemented when it's an option that you really can't get elsewhere. Insurance can work when you've truly vetted your insurance partner. Many people will say, I don't even know what to ask. If it's part of the planning process, and you know a few questions or have a few questions at your disposal to ask your potential insurance professional, here they are. What is your process for selecting the policies you implement? How frequently do you review the policies you put in place for your clients? What does a sample report look like that we should expect each year after the policy is implemented? How has the policy performed compared to the original design? When are we going to talk about how this policy fits with my personal situation each year? And what are the items I need to be concerned about with the illustrations that we're looking at? Those questions are very helpful, Craig, and this whole discussion with you has been so informative. I hope our members found it beneficial as well, and we really hope to have you back again for another podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you.